Push day. Good to see you. How's everybody feeling? Man. Um, I want to say, first of all, that we have three friends here from Seoul, Korea. Now, when you speak to them, speak slowly because their English isn't so good. I'm just kidding. Uh, first of all, Pastor Aaron Lee, stand up. Stay standing. And her and her husband, Pastor Christian Lee, are the pastors of New Philadelphia Church in Seoul. And, uh, and uh, they were here with us in February, you remember? And uh, Aaron preached on Thursday night, and Christian preached on Sunday morning, and both were powerful, powerful services. And uh, you can still get those messages on our website, on the, on the media page, for, on our podcast. Uh, they were powerful, powerful messages. And uh, we've ministered with them there in Korea several times over the last year. We've known each other for not even a year, <laughs> since July. But we've developed a very strong partnership, and we do an internship swap every summer now. This is the first summer. We're going to do this every year. So we have three from Korea this summer, and uh, one of our people is there, uh, Karina Vehar. And these individuals are here to get the LHCC DNA, and Karina's there to get the new Philly DNA, and we're going to cross-pollinize this thing, right? Stay standing. Then we have Lisa. Stand up, Lisa. Now, Lisa is the New Philadelphia Missions Director. So she runs all of their mission trips, organizes and oversees them, and she is here to sit at my wife's feet and, and, uh, and get a double dose of that DNA and to be a part of that aspect of the house. Isn't that wonderful? And then finally, stand up, Marcus. Now, Marcus was uh, adopted by a Korean family when he was a baby, and he grew up in Seoul. No, I'm just kidding. He grew up in North Carolina. But he went to, he went to Korea uh, because he heard his girlfriend had gone crazy and accepted Jesus, and he thought the pastor was trying to holler because she said that pastor said he wanted to meet with me for discipleship every week. He said, I'm coming. He got on a plane and went to Korea and said, who is this pastor? And that pastor happened to be Christian Lee. And so Marcus went in there, and uh, he went in there to, to scope out the pastor and tell him to keep his hands off of his lady. And he ended up getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And now he's the intern pastor at that church. So I want, I want you all to welcome them after service. And do me a favor, make them feel overly welcomed. I mean, I want them to feel so welcome that they want to go home. I want them to be uncomfortable. Hug them for, you know when somebody hugs you just for a couple seconds longer than you're comfortable with? And you start thinking, what does this mean? <laughs> Give them those kinds of hugs. And, and schedule a time to have them to your home for dinner and take them out to lunch and buy them coffee and all of that good stuff. Amen. Give them one more hand. Thank you. You can sit down. I thought you had it. I thought it was in the car. At home? Sorry. Uh-oh. Anybody got a diaper? <laughs> My bad. Praise Jesus, yes. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 
See, my God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Um, oh, yes, last thing I wanted to say is New Philadelphia Church in Seoul. I want you guys to go to their website and start downloading Pastor Christian's sermons. Uh, and that's how we cross-pollinize. Their people have been downloading our sermons, and so I want our people to begin to download their sermons. And what you'll begin to hear is that the Spirit of the Lord is speaking the same thing in both houses. But you'll also hear new things. I listen to their sermons every week, and I, I just get so blessed and so encouraged, and, and I'm so thankful uh, for what God is doing in our two houses. There's a bridge that goes from Emeryville to Seoul. Amen. All right, today is Father's Day. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, and when you get there, say amen. Man, y'all are slow. I would have gotten at least 10 amens. You guys are faster downstairs. <laughs> Just kidding. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Are you there? Just one verse here. This is what it says. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now skip over to chapter 4, verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Along those lines is Romans chapter 8, verse 15. It says, you have received not the spirit of the world that brings you into bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit who is from God, and by him you cry out, Abba, Father. Let's pray. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would send forth your spirit. The spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. And make us your sons today. Lord, right now I remove every power of fear. Every power of demonic intimidation. Every troubling and disturbing spirit and every power of confusion. And I declare that this is completely clear and that all who hear it will have complete understanding of it and be established in the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Not sons and daughters. Sons. A lot of times when we read a verse like this, we put a comma after sons and add and daughters. But how many know that the Scripture says anyone who adds to the words of this book, God will add to him the plagues that are written in it. <laughs> so we don't have the right to add to it. And actually, women existed in the day that Paul wrote this. So we think we know more than Paul did. So, you know, uh, you know, Paul, he just, he missed that. So we're going to put a comma and add, and daughters, because we know better than Paul did what he was trying to say. But Paul doesn't say sons and daughters. He says sons. But neither is it correct to say that Paul had no regard for women, or that Paul forgot about the women, or he just wanted to leave them out. This was not some male chauvinistic expression in which Paul was saying it's actually the men who are the important people in our society, in our culture, and in our church. And they're the ones who should have all the authority and be in charge and be in control. And women should just shh, only speak when spoken to. 
Actually, it's just the opposite. Actually, this is a revolutionary concept that Paul says here. You are all, and he's speaking to a male and female audience. You are all, and he's speaking to an audience of Jews and Gentiles. You are all, and he's speaking to an audience of slave and free. You are all sons of God through Jesus Christ. And he's already said that in Christ there is no Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, but all have been made one in Christ. And actually if Paul would have said in Christ uh, that you are, you are all sons and daughters of God, he would have been doing a disservice to women. Because in the ancient world, in the day in which Paul wrote this passage, women did not receive an inheritance. A daughter did not receive an inheritance, but a daughter became an inheritance. That is, if you were a daughter, when you turned 13 or 14 years old, you were given to another family and became a wife, and you became the property of that family. Women's liberation was not something that even existed. Women were property. And the sons were the ones that received the inheritance. But when Paul looks out over the Galatian church and says, you are all sons of God. I almost said and daughters because we're so used to doing it. When he looked out over the Galatian church and said, you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. What he meant was, not one of you will miss your inheritance. But every single one of you, male and female, slave and free, Jew and Gentile, Catholics and Protestants. Sorry, I just had to go there. We'll sing in the words of that old Negro spiritual. <laughs> free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia... Paul says you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, meaning every one of you is an inheritor, and not one of you will miss your inheritance. All of you. It doesn't matter about your ethnic identification. It doesn't matter about your gender. It doesn't matter whether you're slave or free. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're noble or lowly. It doesn't matter if you're a politician or a commoner. It doesn't matter where you're from, what you've been through. It doesn't matter how much you sinned or how holy or how righteous you were. If you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are receiving an inheritance from God, and it is the kingdom of God. You are sons of God through your faith in Jesus Jesus Christ. Actually, what Paul did in this verse is make men and women equal. Something that was completely foreign to his culture. Paul was a revolutionary. I can't stand reading these people who say things about Paul being a male chauvinist and when what he did was elevate women to a place of equality next to men and say, you're going to receive the same inheritance he is because you're a son. You're a son. Look at the woman closest to you and say, you're a son. You're a son. You're a son. You're a son. You're sons of God. Ladies, look at each other and say, you're, so, you're a son of God. You're a son. You're a son. Now, what I'm talking about transcends gender because Paul is not talking about your physical nature. He's talking about your spiritual nature. And in the spirit, you have received the spirit that makes you a son. Now today is Father's Day, and, and I'm very much aware Father's Day is a difficult, 
day for a lot of people. A lot of believers don't even come to church on Father's Day because there's too much pain associated with that day. Because when you mention Father, I have in my memory and in my mind a memory of a man who just wasn't there for me. And so when, when I come to church and you tell me God is my father, I think of a guy that's just not going to be there for me. So you tell me God's my father, I think, yeah, just like my father, he ain't going to be there. My wife, her family moved to the United States when she was 11 years old. And they marked the day on the calendar when her father was going to come from Korea. He had another year left on his contract, and he stayed to finish that contract. And instead of coming a year later, he fell in love with, with, with somebody there, divorced my wife's mother, and married that lady, and raised her kids. And that day came and went, and he never came. So then you tell my wife, God is your father. Maybe you had an abusive father, a father who used to beat the mess out of you. Maybe you had a critical father, a father that you could never do anything right for, and you begin to project all of those things upon God. And so when somebody says, God is your father, that whole image, that whole constellation of emotions, memories, thoughts, and understanding gets projected onto God, and you expect him to be just like that. And so because we have these hang-ups, what we try to do is fiddle with the scriptures and say, well, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I see God more like my mother. No, I see him more like a brother. Why? Because because I cannot connect with what the Scripture says about God, I'm going to switch it to something that I'm more emotionally and mentally uh, comfortable with. But once again, didn't the Bible say something about not changing it or, or not taking away from the words of this book? Do you think Paul wasn't aware? Do you think there was nobody that struggled in that way in Paul's day? But yet he didn't say, now I know he doesn't give us any wiggle room. He doesn't say, now I know this is hard for some of you. Now I know some of you are here are hurt, and some of you will be able to receive this, and others of you will struggle with it. And so if you can receive it, if your, your mind, will, and emotions is in a place where you can receive what I'm saying, if you had a good father, then I'll tell you God is a father to you. But if not, we'll figure out some other metaphor to speak of him. He doesn't say that. He says, no, you're sons, which means God is your father. I have a friend whose father killed his mother in front of him when he was five years old. And he told me he remembers it vividly. For years he knew it happened but could not remember it. He had repressed the memory. And suddenly when he was in his early 30s, suddenly in the middle of the night one night, the memory came back vividly clear. He remembers standing there in the kitchen watching his father strangle his mother to death right in front of him. Now imagine being that five-year-old boy and watching your father strangle your mother to death and then going to church and hearing some preacher say, God is your father. You have a little trouble connecting with that, don't you? But here is the misconception. We tend to think that in order to embrace God as my father, I have to work through the emotional and mental tangle, the emotional and mental constellation of memories, experiences, and perspectives that war against the idea, that complicate the idea that God is my father. So let me go into therapy for about 25 years to work through my father issues. Then I'll embrace him as my father. And what we don't realize is that that is a sold-out perspective, S-O-U-L-E-D. It locks us in the soul. And what you don't realize is that it never says in Scripture that God is the father of your soul. He's the father of your spirit. 
which means that his fatherhood transpires in the place of your spirit, not in the place of your soul. It means that God steps right over your mind, will, and emotions and says, I don't care what you went through. I don't care what you experienced. I don't care what happened to you. I'm going to father you right here. It means that your hurt and your pain and your disappointment and your rejection and your abuse and your abandonment and all that you went through does not stop me from fathering you. That's why the Spirit here is called the Spirit of Adoption. We think we can't know God as Father because we've experienced orphanhood. But don't you realize the Spirit of Adoption is only for orphans? Of course! It's more for you than for anyone else. Because you understand what it means to be an orphan. You understand what it means to need to be adopted. You understand what it means to be bereft and all alone. God is your Father. And it says here, it's the Spirit that makes us sons. Not the soul. It's not the mind, will, and emotions that makes us sons, in God, uh, sons, sons of God. It's not our ability to understand it cognitively. Let me go home and think about it until I understand it. Then I'll receive it. It's not our heart. Well, I feel like God is my Father. Well, you, you're going to feel something else tomorrow. If you're still equating your feelings with truth, you're really in a bad place. Can I just let you in on a little secret? Feelings are liars. Very often. You know when people say, follow your heart? Well, Jesus said, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Good luck with that. <laughs> it says... Because you are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Who, calls, who cries out, Abba, Father? You? Is it about you understanding and then saying, Abba, Father? You think something happened just because you said, Abba, Father? Or is it the Spirit that cries out, Abba, Father? The Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. He sends forth the Spirit of His Son, and the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. That is, the Spirit within you. That means that, that means that you don't need to seek the fatherhood of God. You just need to seek the Spirit that makes you a son. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. You don't need to seek healing for all of your father wounds and all of your mother wounds and everything that happened to you. You don't need to rehash all of that stuff. You need to release and reach. And how do you release? You say, Lord, I know I've been through a whole lot of stuff, but that does not stop the power of your fatherhood. Hallelujah. And just begin to reach for the Spirit. We get so tied up in the soul that we miss 90% of what God wants to do because the soulless man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The man who is locked in the mind, will, and the emotions and says, God, before you give me anything, I've got to understand it. And I gotta feel it. <laughs> and then I gotta will it. God is able to get a hold of your soul and move you over here into the Spirit. And all of a sudden, when you move into the Spirit, see, we need to learn how to move into the Spirit. Paul says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the sinful nature. You need to understand how to move into the Spirit. The thing is, when I wake up in the morning sometime, I wake up in the morning and I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm feeling lost, then I think I need to break into the presence of God and get into the Spirit. Whenever you feel restricted, whenever you feel constricted and constrained, whenever you feel like you're stuck, you're not in the Spirit at that moment. 
But as soon as you move into the Spirit, the Scripture says where the Spirit of the Lord there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. When you move into the Spirit, all of a sudden you move into the place where there's nothing but liberty and freedom that stretches out in every direction. Now, I've had times, I mean, you, you might be going through a time when you don't even have two nickels to rub together. But when you step into the Spirit, all of a sudden you possess everything. I've had these, I've had these moments in the Spirit where I just possess everything. You, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about where you just step into the Spirit and you possess all things. It's, there's no sense of lack. It's funny, when I feel anxiety and I move into the Spirit, there's no anxiety there because the Spirit is never anxious. You know God never feels anxiety? We freak out about little stuff. Can you imagine God freaking out? Oh no, Jesus, what are we going to do? Holy Spirit, do you have a plan? Because I don't. What are we going to do about this trouble Benjamin's in? We've got to help him. Come on, let's put our heads together. I'm sure we can come up with something. So if God is never freaking out, and the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, then if I freak out, where am I? Not in the Spirit. <laughs> I'm definitely not under the control of the Spirit if I'm doing something that's antithetical to the Spirit's very nature. Follow me here for a second. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom. And so what we need to learn how to do is move into the Spirit. And then stay there. And not allow our souls to drift out of the Spirit. Now, I want you to learn the discipline of prophesying before you pray. Yeah. So much of our prayer is sold out prayer. S-O-U-L-E-D. You wake up feeling anxious. You wake up feeling overwhelmed. You wake up feeling beat down and discouraged. And then you pray from that place. So I'm in the flesh because the Spirit doesn't feel any of those things. So I can't be in the Spirit. So then I'm in the flesh and I pray from there. Oh God, help me with my disappointment. God, I'm so discouraged and God, I'm so overwhelmed. And, oh God, I, I, I. and then I spend about two hours breaking through that and hopefully I'll get something from God. And sometimes I feel like I've just broken halfway through it. But now I've got to get up and go on with my day and so I'm kind of halfway discouraged and I'm just kind of walking like sideways through the whole day. This is what the Lord gave me the other day. Prophesy first and then pray. Now let me tell you what that means. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 14 says, The word isn't far. It's not far. The word, it's not far. It's not up in heaven so that someone has to go up into heaven and get it for you. You ever feel like, I need to go into the heavens and get a word from the Lord, and I'm just going to journey up into the heavens. I'm going to climb the hill of the Lord and stand in this holy place, and I know it's going to take me a long time to get up there. There's a door open in the heavens, and I'm just going to go into the heavens and get a word from the Lord. And it'll probably take me several hours to get there. But I'm going into the heavens. But Moses said, it's not in heaven. You say, well, Moses said, it's not in the sea. He says, I know it's, it's a long journey. When you, when you wake up and you need a word from God, you don't feel like it's right there. You feel like it's a long journey. I've got to go on this long journey to get it. You ever just feel like you're so far away from the Lord? I've had those moments in prayer where I felt like God's presence was further from me than the east is from the west. Say, God, you told me to go to the secret place of the Most High, but I found that it's a place so secret that even God forgot where it is. It's like, Lord, are you lost? Turn on your GPS. Let me give you my address. Here, let me share my, my, my location. You know, you see your phone do that? Share my location. But Moses said, it's not far. And then he said, the word is near you. 
The word of God is near you. Look at your neighbors. The word is near you. It's not far. And then he said this. He said, it's in your mouth. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. It's art. When you wake up in the morning, it's in your mouth. When you're going through your deepest, darkest place, it's in your mouth. When you're discouraged and beat down, it's in your mouth. Why? Because Jesus said, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. The word of God is from everlasting to everlasting. It does not pass away. So when you wake up and feel like it's far, it's not far. It's in your mouth. You just got to speak it. You just got to begin to speak the word of the Lord. Prophesy first. Prophesy first. Speak the word of the Lord. Speak Now, this is the thing. We've got to get away from this episodic view of, of God's speaking voice. We have an episodic view of the word of the Lord. You think God speaks, you hear it, and you speak it, and that's done deal. But then the word would have to pass away. Because God spoke it, you spoke it, and it's done. You ever had two people come and give you the same word? How about this? Paul, he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, and in every city, he said, the Spirit testifies that persecution, chains, persecution and chains await me in Jerusalem. In every city, I mean, every city he goes to, he says, I'm on the way to Jerusalem, and all the believers go, oh, no, persecution and chains are awaiting you there. He said, in every city, the Spirit testifies. Every church he goes to, they're prophesying the same thing. Isn't that funny? And then he goes to the last city, and this man walks in named Agabus, and he says, give me your belt. Paul says, what? He reaches and takes Paul's belt off. Now, that's kind of weird. Somebody takes your belt. He took Paul's belt, stood up in front of the church, tied him up in it, himself up in it. So shall the Jews in Jerusalem tie up the man who owns this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. Okay, there's your belt back. <laughs> the Spirit is, I mean, everywhere he goes, people are prophesying the same thing to him. You know, I had that experience growing up. Everywhere I went, people would prophesy. I'm a little kid and said, you're a preacher. You're a man of God. You're going to preach all over the world. People on the bus would prophesy it to me. I'm serious. I got on the wrong bus one time, and this old lady sitting on the bus looked at me. You're a man of God, and you're going to preach all. I see you preaching. And she started naming nations where I was going to preach the word of God. I'm like, dang, on the bus? God rides AC transit? I thought the Lord would stay away from that mess, you know. <laughs> That's hard times. You know why? Because when God speaks, the word that he speaks lingers in the spirit. And when you move into the spirit, you begin to hear it. That word does not pass away. It lingers in the spirit. It continues to resound, and it continues to reverberate. So that means when you wake up in the morning, the word that he spoke to you last year isn't dead. It's still in your mouth. You just need to begin to prophesy it again. You've got to re-prophesy stuff that God spoke to you last year. You've got to pull it out and prophesy it again. I don't care if you have to erect a pulpit in your home and get out a book of words that God gave you, scriptures that he, that he quickened to your heart, stuff that he gave you through brothers and sisters, stuff that, that the Spirit engraved on your heart when somebody was preaching to you, and you need to re-prophesy it and speak the word of the Lord. You wake up in the morning and you say, I'm discouraged, I'm depressed. Wait, 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 hold on. What, what is the word of the Lord today? No, 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 no. God said that I will not be anxious about anything, but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I will let my request be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I'm broke. No, no, no. My God said he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. No, it's done. 
I feel like I'm stuck and I'm not moving anywhere. No, no, he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's done! This morning when I came in, I just started regurgitating all of the prophetic words that God gave us about Living Hope Christian Center. God, you said that you were going to fill this house with the harvest, and you were going to cover it with your glory, and you were going to blow it to the ends of the earth. God, you said you were going to send us to the nations, and that you were going to send the nations to us. God, you said that you were going to send us to the most dangerous places on earth, but that we would never be, dan- we would never be in any danger there, because you would be with us, and you would be our protection. God, you said you're multiplying us, and that our descendants would be like the sands of the sea. God, you said that the fire's already within us and that it's time for it to break forth and you said that the fire's going to burn so hot that little logs from all over the world are going to come and light themselves in our fire. You said that this is a revival center. You said this is a restoration center. You said this is a healing center. God, you said. God, you said. I don't care what I feel. I only care what God says. And all of a sudden, as you begin to speak the word of the Lord, your soul is moved into the Spirit. Now pray from there. And that's why Paul said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Paul never encouraged us to pray in the flesh. Because the flesh profits nothing. And if you're praying in the flesh, that prayer profits nothing. But Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. That means when you begin to speak the words of Jesus, you're instantly moved into the spirit because his very words are spirit and life. So if you're going to pray, you've got to pray in the spirit. You know there's a worthless kind of prayer? Fleshed out, sold out prayer. Praying in the flesh. And you're speaking in tongues too. You're speaking words that God doesn't even understand. See, when you speak in tongues in the spirit, you speak words that men don't understand. But when you speak in tongues in the flesh, you speak words that God doesn't understand. God, I'm stuck. God, I don't understand that language because, see, I've never, I can't relate. God, I'm trapped. God, I just don't. Uh, Jesus, do you know what he's saying? I don't understand. God, I'm so discouraged. Jesus, have you, do you know what that's like? I've never been there. God, I'm broke. I just, God, this is impossible. God, I can't go to the right or to the left. God, there's nothing I can do. God, is said, God, just, he's just mumbo jumbo. Somebody get a translator. I don't understand what this person's saying. Tell him if he's going to speak in tongues, he's got to interpret it. Or keep, him to, keep it to himself. And then I hear these believers coming up with these fleshed out prophecies. You know the flesh can prophesy too. You hear these fleshed out prophecies. God said he's going to destroy me. God said that he's displeased with me. God said that he's going to, you know, God said, oh, and the Lord showed me that the reason he destroyed this part of my life is because, and God said, and God, and you're blaming, it's a fleshed out prophecy that flows out of unbelief that started because you didn't believe the word of the Lord. Prophesy first. The prophet Amos said, The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Just as naturally as fear grips your heart when the lion roars, so naturally is it to prophesy when the Lord has spoken. The only reason you wouldn't prophesy is because you don't believe the Lord has spoken. It's like if somebody had a recording of a lion, and you hear the recording, and you think, I'm not afraid at all. But if you look and see a lion right there, And you realize it ain't a recording. It's the real thing. You go, oh, snap! 
I mean, even people who didn't actually hear the lion roar would fear when you tell them, dude, there's a lion in the hallway, and it just roared. They're like, a real one? Yeah, man. Oh, snap. <laughs> you know, when you know the Lord has spoken and when you hear him speak, sometimes you think it's a recording. You think I'm talking in circles. I started talking about being sons of God, but this is fundamental to your sonship in the kingdom of God because if there's one aspect of your inheritance that God wants you to possess, it's his word. And it's the first gift that he gave Adam and Eve was the ability to hear his word, and it was the first thing Satan attacked. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? Are you sure the Lord said that? Because I heard him differently. You know the devil will interpret the word of the Lord for you if you let him? Well, God didn't really mean that. Well, you know, that doesn't really apply to you. It did at one time, but you disqualified yourself because of stuff you did, so it doesn't apply to you anymore. And I know what you're thinking, prodigal son, but you're not the prodigal son. You're the older brother. (laughs) The devil will interpret the word of the Lord for you if you let him. And Eve just bought it, hook, line, and sin. Really? Now listen, if a snake is telling you what God says and what he means... Something is wrong. The soul will also mimic the spirit because sometimes the soul will tell you this is the word of the Lord and it has nothing to do with God and that's why we need a covering. You know, early on when my spiritual father was fathering me, I used to go to him and say, this is what the Lord said and he would just listen. Mm-hmm. Looks like he's receiving it like the spirit's all over it. Mm-hmm. That's a lie from the devil. I almost reached for my glasses. (laughs) The Lord has nothing to do with that. One time I was just pouring out my heart and pouring out my heart for about 15, 20 minutes. And the whole time he's just looking real empathetic. Mm, 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 mm. You know, he always looks like he's savoring a meal like that was that was cooked by an exquisite French chef. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I got and I got done, and he said, "Everything you just said is a lie from the devil." <laughs> Every word of it. There's not a word of truth in anything you've just said. You've been deceived. That's the problem. <laughs> The greatest lie that the enemy has told you is that you cannot hear from the Lord. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. He did not say my elite, mature, spiritual sheep. He didn't say my sheep that have been walking with me for a long time, they know my voice. He didn't say the ones that stand at the front and preach the word of the Lord, they know my voice. He said my sheep know my voice. All of them. They know my voice. They will never follow a stranger. If you want to hear from God, you've got to start with that fundamental premise. You know his voice. You will not follow a stranger. If you don't believe that, you'll not walk in the reality of it. My sheep know my voice. I used to call my pastor and say, I don't know what to do. And he'd say, that's a lie. I don't know what God is saying. And he'd say, that's a lie. That's a lie from the devil. That's a lie. Because he knew that if he allowed me to believe that, then it would be a reality for me. Because as a man believes in his heart, So is he. According to your faith, be it unto you. God, I don't know your voice. And God goes, okay. 
I mean, I, I hardwired it into you, but okay. I'd call him, I'd say, I don't know what to do. And he'd say, no, son, that's a lie. Now let your soul come back to its place of rest. Let it come back to its place of peace. Step back into the spirit, son. You're in the flesh right now. That's why you can't hear from the Lord. Move back into the spirit. And he'd move me back into the spirit, and all of a sudden I'd begin to hear from God immediately. You know what? This is what the Lord's saying. That's the word of the Lord. That's the word. You know the word of God is in you. It is near. It's in your mouth. Why? Because you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Every single one of you. Not some of you. All of you. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you're a son of God. And if you're a son, then an heir. And if you're an heir, then your inheritance has already been given to you, and that inheritance is the word. The word of God. The ability to hear from your father. You possess it. And once you receive it, you never lose it. But just because you never lose it doesn't mean that you always use it. Some of you think you, lose, you lost it because you stopped using it. You just need to pull it out of the garage and give it a spin. Take it around the block a few times. You need to start using it again. And how do you use it? You speak it. It's in your mouth. Speak it. What did God say? Say it every day. Every day in this, this period since my wife and I haven't had a home, I've been waking up in the morning going, God, you said you're going to give us a five-bedroom house. Why? Because the reality seems so opposite. God, you said you're going to give us a five-bedroom house. That's why we let go of the one we had. You said let it go and I'll give you a five-bedroom house. Now, I thought he meant I'm going to give it to you before you lose the one you got. But see, here's the problem. We tend to abort the word of God that we've been impregnated with because it doesn't happen in the time period that we think it's supposed to happen in. It doesn't come the way we think it's supposed to come. And when it doesn't come the way and in the time we think it's supposed to come, we think God must have missed it or I must have missed God. And so we abort. I was looking for Mikhail. Mikhail and Alan are here. Mikhail is like 18 months pregnant. Last Wednesday was the due date. Okay. <laughs> I told her the baby was going to come late. First babies typically do. If you're not in the habit now, I mean, if you've had, you know, three or four babies, you tend to just pop them out. You know, I mean, it's like you, they can come two, three weeks early. It's just, pile, here it comes, bam, you know. I mean, if you're used to hearing the word of the Lord and taking it to full term and delivering it, it could happen in a day, it could happen in a week, it could happen in a month. But if you've never done it before, it might take some time. And so you got, the first time Abraham did it, it took him 20 years. So here's the key. What we don't need is more emotional healing. What we don't need is more mind manipulation. What we need is more of the Spirit. Because it's the Spirit that makes us sons. If I'm going to experience my sonship, I'm only going to experience it by moving into the Spirit. It's only in the Spirit. And I want you to know what it means to move into the Spirit because there's so much flesh that imitates Spirit. You think you're in the Spirit because you're emotional. No, that's the soul. Tears does not mean the Holy Spirit touched you. Could mean you just watched a good movie. <laughs> Ate an onion. <laughs> or just got rebuked by your wife. <laughs> or lost a loved one. 
or feel alone or some combination of those that you brought with you into the house of God and as soon as they start singing that first song you started feeling all of that and you think it's the spirit because you're having an emotional catharsis and you just let it out and let it out and let it out and let it out and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry then you go home saying I feel better well that's nice you had a nice emotional release but now I want you to move past that and there's nothing wrong with that by the way sometimes you need that that's not bad but that's not yet the spirit until the spirit moves you past that see a lot of us we come into the house of God and we mourn but you know it's the spirit when he turns your mourning into dancing when he turns your sorrow into shouts of joy and when he move and you know you're in the spirit when you've moved past the pain because the spirit is not in pain I find these times when I feel all, and this is the thing, God led you to the place where you are now standing. Everything around you that you feel like constrains you, that you feel powerless to move. Obstacles in your path that are so heavy that you feel like I cannot move them, no matter how hard I push, they don't move. Stuff in your life that you feel like this is going to overtake me and kill me if I don't get the best of it, but I have no idea how to get the best of it, and I feel like a failure on every front. Some of you are here, some of you men are here, and you feel like a failure as a husband, a failure as a father, a failure as an employee, a failure as a student, and a failure as a member of the church. You feel like on every front more is expected of you than you can fulfill. I got a word from the Lord for you. No, I got a word from Benjamin for you. I, not the Lord say welcome to the club God led you to that point he wanted you to be overwhelmed there's a common misconception in the body of Christ that God will only put on you that which you can handle and he'll never put more on me than I can stand sorry that's not biblical he will always put more on you than you can handle why? Because if he didn't, you would handle it. And you would stay right there in your fleshly ability to work out stuff on your own power. But when he moves you to that place where it's more than you can handle, now you have to go in the spirit. Because you realize that the flesh profits for nothing. You come to that place where you say, God, in my own power, I could struggle with this for 150 years and not move it one inch. And you finally come to that place where you abandon the flesh. Where your soul realizes that the power of your own strength is worthless in this season. And you drop everything and you say, God, I need you. And now you enter into the realm that we call desperation. Desperation is the first sign that the soul has abandoned the flesh. That the soul has recognized the impotence of the self. That your soul has realized that in my own strength I can do nothing. Jesus, without you I can do nothing. Now I'm desperate. And if I remain in that desperation, that desperate place will drive me into the Spirit. But once I step into the realm of the Spirit, all of a sudden something else rises up in me that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You come to a place in the spirit where all of a sudden you possess all things. Yeah. 
You come to a place in the spirit where all of a sudden there is no place in your life where you don't have power to be an overcomer, where there's no mountain that can stand before you, where you say to the mountain, be lifted up and cast into the sea and it'll obey you. You come to a place in the spirit where nothing can restrain you, where no power of hell can stand against you, where you can never be defeated. How do you get there? First, speak the word of the Lord. Prophesy first. I don't care how you feel. The word of God has not passed away. Lay claim to your inheritance. Prophesy. Speak the word of the Lord. Dirk, that word that was spoken over you today, you just speak it every morning you wake up. Because the devil's going to attack your mind the minute you walk out of this place and say all of that was a lie. You're still going to struggle with these things for the next 10, 15 years. And you're going to wake up tomorrow morning feeling like, I thought it was going to work. I thought it would be different. No, you stand up and say, no, this season is over. God has healed my mind. He has healed me. He's put me back together again, and that season is over. You've got to stand on the word. You know, I'll never forget, God healed me of migraine headaches when I was a, a freshman in Bible college. I had struggled with migraine headaches all my life. And Dr. Searle, my first spiritual father at Patton University, he came over and he laid his hand on me, and I was instantly healed of those migraine headaches in the middle of a big one. And I'd had them since I was a little boy. I was instantly healed. And for two or three years, I never had another migraine headache. I was testifying of the power of God. I used to get them every month. And if they would last two to three days at a time, and I'd be laying in a dark room for two to three days, and there was no drug in the world that would take away the pain. And I was healed dramatically, and I was testifying to everybody. Then all of a sudden, I'm talking to somebody one day, and all of a sudden, all of the symptoms of a migraine come on me while I'm talking. I'm just talking, and all of a sudden my vision starts clouding, and I see this little stuff coming at me, and my stomach starts to turn, and then the pounding sledgehammer blows to the head, and I'm talking, I'm trying to ignore it, and I said, excuse me for a second, went around the corner, devil, take your hands off of me, I was healed of this, God healed me of this, you go right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this, I do not receive this, and it went away, and I went, anyway, so as I was saying, You've got to learn to speak to your mountain and stop letting your mountain speak to you. The devil comes and brings all kinds of stuff and we go, okay. Oh, I thought the Lord healed me of this, but okay. Oh, I thought the Lord moved me out of this, but okay. Oh, I thought the Lord delivered me from this, but okay. I guess not. I guess God was wrong. I guess his power only works temporarily. I guess his word really does pass away. But my problems, they're from everlasting to everlasting. <laughs> I will never get out of this problem. And I just have to embrace it. So Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things that neither I nor you can change. To change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And there's nothing in that prayer that says, God, there is nothing you can't change. And so I refuse to accept anything that the devil brings my way as an eternal power of bondage. I refuse. Listen, I, I, I've been all over the place this morning, but what I wanted to say to you is that you're sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You possess your inheritance, and his inheritance for you is his word. 
And it's an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It does not pass away. We're so episodic in our thinking. We think that every time God speaks, it's for that episode. You know, you turn on an episode of Friends. You don't have to know what came before or what came after. You can just watch one episode and walk away. And you go to church thinking you're in an episode. What's, what's the pastor going to talk about in this episode? You go in your prayer closet and you think it's an episode. What's God going to say in this episode? Listen, I want you to know that God does not have episodes, that there hasn't been one episode of your life, but it's a living, ongoing drama that does not end. And his word is not an episode that ends the moment the TV is turned off. His word does not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away. And that word is not far from you. It's near. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. All you got to do is speak it and believe it. Speak it and believe it and allow the Spirit of the Lord to remove and to circumcise from you every power of flesh that likes to masquerade around in the garments of the Spirit. Circumcision is bloody and it's painful, but it's quick. (laughs) and there's some stuff God wants to cut off you and it may hurt but it's just for a moment bow your heads God I speak your blessing over this house today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I hear a cry in the spirit God is calling for his sons to arise He's calling for his sons to rise up and lay claim to their inheritance. The scripture says the Lord spoke the word and great was the company of those who who proclaimed it. And he's called us to be a great company of proclaimers. The problem is not that God forgets. The problem is that we forget. God speaks and we have victory for a moment because we rejoice in the word he speaks, but we forget it. We regurgitate it. We abort it. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you've got to let that word abide in you. You've got to let it live in you. John said, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and because the word of God abides in you and because you've overcome the devil. Your strength and your power to defeat the devil comes from the fact that the word of God abides in you. It's in your mouth because you are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, I'd be remiss if I did not say that there are some of you here today that are living outside of your inheritance because you have not come to faith in Christ Jesus. And I say to you with all sincerity and with all love that if you have not come to faith in Christ Jesus, you are not a son of God. You say, that sounds like a mean thing to say, an exclusive exclusionary thing to say listen that's just truth my brother but it's not because God has excluded you it just simply means that you have not yet taken that step of coming to faith in Jesus Christ it's not because God has rejected you it just means you haven't received him yet the scripture says that God brings the solitary into families 
Some of you today, you grew up in a family, in a human family, but you still feel orphaned in your spirit. You know why? Because you were created for the experience of knowing God as your father. And I don't care how much family you have and how wonderful they are until you know God as your father. You don't understand what family really is. And you don't understand what you were really created for. But I say to you today by the word of the Lord that Jesus is standing before you. That he is here today. His arms are open wide for you. And he's ready to receive you into his kingdom. And he's ready to release you into your inheritance because he loves you. The Father wants you as his son today. It starts with faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't even really start with saying yes to God. Sometimes saying yes is a passive thing. Yes, Lord, whatever you want to do, go ahead and do it. But I still don't believe in who you are. But it starts with faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he arose again from the grave. I believe that he came to save me. I believe that he bore the punishment for my sin. You might not even understand it, but I believe in order that I may understand. You say, well, I'll believe when I understand. Good luck with that. Faith seeks understanding. Understanding never arrives at faith. Understanding happens in the soul. Faith happens in the spirit. God wants to overstep your soul today. He wants to step right over your understanding. He wants to step right over your feelings, right over your mind, and right into your spirit and meet you there. I want you to know that there's a new life awaiting you in Jesus Christ, and God the Father is here to receive you into his house. If something in you would simply rise up and say, God, I believe. I ask you today with every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here today, you say, I'm ready to take that step. That leap of faith into the arms of Jesus. And say, Jesus, I want you. I receive you. I believe you. I want to become a son of God through my faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I want you to lift your hand right where you are. I see that hand. And I see that hand. And I see that hand. And I see that hand. Keep your hands raised. I'm just going to ask a few of our leaders to go stand next to people whose hands are raised. Nobody's looking around. Hallelujah. What a powerful day. This is the most powerful day of your life. This is the most powerful decision you could ever make. And the most powerful experience you could ever have. Welcome to the family. Father, I pray right now that the spirit of adoption would be poured out on these that lifted their hands. The spirit that makes us sons. We do not become sons by our own decision. We become sons by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I pray right now that the gift of the Holy Spirit would be given to these right now. In the name of Jesus, that these that have lifted their hands would be brought into the family of God, not by an act of human will, but by the power of the Spirit of the Lord. And right now, the Lord wants you to know how much He loves you. 
The scripture says that the love of God is poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And right now, the love of God is being poured out in your hearts. Just receive God's love. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He set you apart today. He's chosen you. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, I want everybody to repeat it, but especially those of you that lifted your hands. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to cleanse me and make me holy and make me pure. God, I believe that your son Jesus died for my sins. I believe that your son Jesus paid the price for all of my sin. I believe that he is your son, that you raised him from the dead. And I thank you that salvation comes through faith in his name. I thank you, Father. I open my heart. I receive your spirit. I receive your love. I receive your power. I receive your grace. I thank you that today is the first day of my new life in you. And I rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, those of you that lifted your hands, where's Robin? Okay. Listen, those of you that lifted your hands, I just want you, once we dismiss the service, to come to the front so we can talk to you just for a moment. Not yet. Just wait till we dismiss. The moment we dismiss, I want you to come to the front so we can talk to you for, the mo for a moment. Everybody else, I want you to look at me. Many of you here, you say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but I've been living outside of my inheritance. There's some of you here that God has spoken to you again and again and again and again and again and he's given you promise and he's given you promise and he's given you confirmation and confirmation and confirmation and you still walk in doubt and disillusionment and discouragement and despair and it's simply because you haven't learned how to speak that word and how to stand on it and how to let it reside and live in your heart. But today is a new day for you. And this word is releasing you into a new season. Now, I want you to know that Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, he said to the Galatians, how did you receive the Spirit? Was it through obeying the law or was it through believing what you heard? He said, you received the Spirit by believing what you heard. And I say to you today that I preach the Word of God to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you believe it and embrace it in your heart, if you walk in it and let it dwell in you, then the Holy Spirit will come into your heart in greater and greater ways. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm still hungry for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. I want more. I've received the Holy Spirit, but I want more of the Holy Spirit. And Paul said that God supplies you with the Spirit, meaning there's an unending supply, meaning no matter how much you've received, He's got more for you. And I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for more. And some of you are here thinking, i got issues. I've got trust issues. I've got rejection issues. I've got isolation issues. I've got anger issues. I've got unforgiveness issues. I've got sorrow issues. I've got discouragement issues. I've got self-esteem issues. And I want you to know, all of us do. I'll be the first to say, i got issues too. But first of all, I want you to know that none of your issues are greater than God. The scripture says that God is greater than our hearts. And the heart is where all of your issues reside. 
He's greater than all of your issues, and not one of them can keep you out of his kingdom. And faith is what overcomes your issues. It simply steps right over it. You say, I don't believe in my issues. I know they're there, but I don't believe in them. I don't trust in them. I don't worship them. And so I don't focus on them. And I do not, whatever you give your life to is your God. And if you give your life to solving all of your issues, it's called the worship of the soul and it's idolatry. But if you come to God, warts and all, say, God, I got issues, but here I is. I'm not going to try to fix them. I'm not going to try to work them out. I'm not going to even try to work around them. I'm coming to you anyway. And thank you that you take me just as I am. But thank you that you move me past all of that by taking me into the Spirit. The Spirit is the place where you find your true being, what it really means to be human, and what it really means to be a son of God. Today, you're stepping into your inheritance, into a new season of it. Amen? You're going to possess it. You're going to walk in it. You're going to live in it. Amen? Stand up on your feet right now. And lift your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just sense the joy of the Lord. What a wonderful gift to give God on Father's Day. It's to receive His Word. Ha! I'm going to say this one thing. Put your hands down. Look at me one more time. I know that's how I roll. Last thing, I promise, and then I'm going to let you go. I remember my high school graduation. And uh, I was late to get to the church on graduation day. It was a Christian school, so we had to bring our Bibles, all of us seniors, and we had to walk in carrying our Bibles. Well, I was late, and I didn't have time to look for my Bible, and I saw my dad's Bible sitting on the table, so I just grabbed his Bible, and I ran out the door. So I'm marching in, and I get to the front, and they're playing the graduation music, and I'm standing there in my cap and gown, and I'm holding my dad's Bible just like this. And I looked at my dad, and my dad was standing in the front row, and he was just weeping. I mean, he just fell apart. I mean, he was just bawling and just weeping and weeping. He had this look in, in his face and was saying, I am so proud of you, son. And after it was over, he told me, he said, when I saw that you were carrying my Bible, I don't know why, but it just broke me that you were carrying my Bible. You know what makes the father proud? When he sees that you're carrying his word. And I'm not talking about carrying the book. But when he sees that you let it reside in your heart. The Father sees you wherever you are and, and tears are in his eyes. He's just so proud of you. He says, look at my son. He's bearing my word. He's carrying my word. Just let his word live in you. Let it dwell in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly today. Amen? Make the Father proud. That's the gift that he wants is for you to receive his word and let it abide in your heart. Now lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I speak your blessing over your sons who have received not the spirit who is from the world that makes us a slave again to fear, but the spirit who is from God who cries out, Abba, Father. Father, I pray you would take us into the place where the spirit begins to cry through us, Abba, Father. And I release your people into a greater joy Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. We're dismissed.